0: This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. For the first time in 30.
1: Austin Bruins have won the Stanley
0: Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And weei.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson. The sticks are hot. The sticks are alive. They're scoring goals. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market. You need this, win, you? know we got a lot of losses. To yeah, play. we got a lot of losses. Lace them up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. All right, you ready for my analysis? Sure. Why Bergeron is overrated? Uh, There's 6-0 without him. That's my list. That's the end of the list. Pretty That's much it. covers it, right? Yeah. That's it. All right. Uh, Good night. 617-779-7937. It is Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Boy, God, people are sensitive. Threw that out sarcastically last night. There's 6-0 without uh, Bergeron on the homestand. Bergeron is overrated. No, either nobody gets my sarcasm, or people are just I don't want to hear any criticism of anything going on. Bees right now. This team is rolling, and it's all got to be sunshine. But it is bizarre. Six and zero without Bergeron. I guess you could say four and zero without Charlie McAvoy, if you include the you know the the bulk of the game. He was injured in the Montreal game last Saturday. Tie, and uh, I would have said those are their two most indispensable players. The guys they can least afford to lose right now. I suppose Chara you would consider still the better defenseman. But in terms of what McAvoy brings, we talked about that last week. And this team just keeps finding a way. The will to win, the strong finish, whatever cliche you want to use, they were being thrown around a lot yesterday. Not that these are powerhouse teams they're going up against every night. Philly would be the lone exception. But you called it last week the... uh, um, uh, well, I forget the phrasing you used in the Montreal win. I, I should yeah, I mean, they just to have that, resolve. The resolve. It's, incredible it's, it, resolve. That's it's one of these it.
2: things where they can play any style, any game, any matchup. I mean, that's what makes them difficult. I mean, you look at yesterday's game, right? It's, it's what, it's 4-4 four to four after two periods?
0: 4-3. They were down 4-3. Four 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 yeah,
2: excuse me, yeah, they're down Second a goal. Second straight Saturday, they had it, to come back. It's one of those situations where... You look at that and you say, "Oh, well, this is a high-scoring game. This doesn't suit them." But no, they can win these games. They can win the six to five games, the eight to four, the seven to fours, whatever the case may be, and they can do that. And they can win the two to ones that we've seen. You know, last Saturday, we've seen the the three to twos. They they can win any sort of game. It seems, and especially in the third
0: period, this team has just been a a you know a juggernaut in the final twenty minutes of play. So, they're and Jack Edwards threw out the stat that they're a uh, second best in third period gold differential. I don't know how you, which you is the, the numbers for that. Somebody is that's a make that. That's making some of a good team, right? Right there. I mean, you need to be good
2: late, and they've been just that. It's one of these situations, too, where when they have a, when they have a lead, they've been un, unbeatable in the third period, it seems. I think they're 20. I think they're. I, I just know they have, like, one or two losses when they're leading after 20, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it, especially in this league now where so many teams come back in the third period and they, they score extra goals late and the power plays are up and all that nonsense. So they're just one of these teams that I, I think that any situation benefits them. And, you know, speaking to your point about losing Bergeron losing McAvoy, I think when you can play that way, it doesn't matter who's in your lineup. If you have the buy in and you have the, the the line management that Bruce Cassidy has sort of
0: developed here, I think that you're gonna be okay. Well, the question will be are they okay against the elite teams going forward here? Uh Bergeron and uh, McAvoy pretty open ended how long they're gonna be out, but it it looks like the month at least, right? I mean that best case scenario yeah, is gonna... what it should be. I mean you shouldn't rush these guys back. You
2: don't need to. You know, Florida's playing well, but they're not gonna they're not gonna catch you. Unless you fall face to the earth, in which case I, I think you deserve whatever you ha- you get at that point, but it's one of those things where I mean they should please wrap all these guys in bubble t- in bubble wrap for the rest of the season. I I, I don't need David Krejci getting hurt before the first round. I don't need Chara, you know, spraining an ankle or some nonsense there and and, and injuring himself. So you know
0: I, I'm I'm okay with them holding these guys out until the final week of the regular season. Well, the the only carrot there would be to catch Tampa. You have got. Six points behind the Lightning right now. You've got three games in hand. You'll make up two of those games this week. So I suppose you can make a case that they've got to get the one seed. They've got to avoid playing Toronto in round one. You want to get, as you threw out last week, whatever is left of Jersey or um, Columbus, I guess, right now would be those seven or eight seeds. You get home ice advantage, et cetera, et cetera. But I- I'm not even sure that's worth uh, – it's definitely not worth rushing Bergeron and McAvoy back early due to injuries – but the question will be that last week of the year, are they? If there's, if that's still in question, do they push them just a little bit, just a little bit? know, I wouldn't.
2: I mean, I, they might, but I wouldn't. I, that that final game of the regular season, I want to see Austin Zarnick. I want to <laughs> see Jordan Swars. I want to see Zane McIntyre. I don't want to see anybody that has any sort of value in this on this team in the lineup. So, one of those things. Listen, the first seed would be nice. I think you're going to have a hard road, no matter how you slice it. I think that these first two rounds they're going to be difficult. I, I think the, it's funny, the Atlantic is such a bad division, but I think the opening two rounds are going to be maybe two of the best in in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I really do believe that. So one of those things where it'd be nice, but I don't think you're catching Tampa to begin with. I really you're don't. Not, you're not. And you have three, three, you have three head, head-to-heads with them left. So maybe you, if you sweep that, you, you're, you know, now it becomes a real thing. But I don't think you're going to do that to begin with. I mean, that's a great team. You got to give them credit. I think the Bruins, like I've said before, they match up well against them. So they don't scare me as much as... People, I think, are generally scared of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but it's one of those things where, uh, barring a, a season sweep of that, of that team, I don't see you catching them. I really don't. I just think that their schedule is a little bit easier than yours.
0: Well, they finally got Ryan McDonough in their lineup. He, he played his debut for Tampa yesterday. They won it in the, uh, overtime, a shootout over uh, Montreal. But they are a powerhouse. And people say there's no great team in the NHL. I will be super impressed if the Bruins not only hang in there, but win a couple of those last three games with Tampa. That is going to be the ultimate, you know, prove it to me, this is impressive. Six and O home stand. Uh, you know the stat that keeps getting thrown around that. Uh what Leafs? Like, a handful of teams have ever done that in NHL history, which yeah, has got to be
2: a small sample I size. I found really weird. That's a weird stat because I was like, wait a minute, there's only six teams ever done this. Like that's a, that's a bizarre thing because a six game homestand it seems like a lot, but then you think about it, I was like, that's not a lot of games. That's that's. I mean, it's it's a mild homestand, but I I, I can't imagine that they're the
0: only the seventh team ever to sweep a six game. homestand. Uh, how many exactly six game homestands have there been? I guess throughout NHL history, I guess probably, that's true. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing, but but it's impressive nonetheless, especially with the guys they're missing. I just think you look at the teams and now. They're going to have to play every other day, at least. They don't have more than a day off for the uh, remainder remaining 16 games of the season, 16 games over 29 days. They have 12 of the 16 on the road, and three of them with Tampa, and you're going to go every other day this week while Tampa rests up a little bit, and then you go to their place next Saturday. So that will be, you know, I think you're going to find out a lot more about this team. But that being said, I guess what has impressed you the most during this stretch without Bergeron and, and McAvoy uh, I was, you know, just being uh, uh, sarcastic about, you know, they don't need Bergeron, but the fact that Riley Nash has gone up there and played so well, or at least played well enough to let Marchand and Pasternak do their thing around them, this team scoring four goals a night without Bergeron in the lineup. I would think you get into a playoff series, you would consider the possibility of spreading the wealth a little bit more in some form or fashion, whether that's move Bergeron down to Backus's line in a pinch. Knowing you can still get offense from Martian and Pasternak, that I think Riley Nash has probably impressed me the most during this stretch. Yeah, it's
2: weird. I mean, I think that the, the strange thing has been that they've been so good, despite having a second pairing that's kind of been getting killed lately. I think whether it, it's Torrey Krug and you've put Nick Holden or Kevin Miller, Adam McClure, whoever, you, whoever you've, you've put there, they haven't had necessarily great nights, I would say, in, in terms of their five-on-five play. And same thing at the face-off dot. They've been getting beat up there quite a bit without Bergeron. So they found ways to win. You know, even with all those things, those staples of their success, if you will, working against them. So, uh, I think Riley Nash. He, I would move him from that third line if you have a healthy roster. Because I, I love that heinen Nash Backus line. Although I'd make the case now that you're talking about Heinen being your healthy scratch. Yep. Come come game one and Brian Gianta sort of or, earning that spot, which is something I never thought I would say here, but here we are. You know, I think that's what's been impressive to me. As as great as Riley Nash has been, and as seamless as that fit has been. I do think that there's something to be said for the guys like Brian Gionta stepping in after missing five months, basically, of NHL play and, and plug in, you know, this plug-and-play sort of thing here where they're producing points per game, both he and Tommy Wingles, Nick Holden as well. I mean, that's crazy. When you're getting that production, That that's when you know things are going right for your team. So I think at the same time, though, speaking to your Nash point, they realize what they have now with him. When they asked him to fill in for Bergeron the first time around, they wanted him to be Bergeron. They said, you're going to play 21 minutes a night. You're gonna take all the hard zone, all the D zone minutes, all this the shorthanded faceoffs, everything, and they've sort of realized, okay, we can't put him out there for 20 minutes. We can get good. We can get a good 15 minutes out of him. So they found ways to reel him back. I think obviously with Backus being out, that's changed a little bit. Yep. But that's one of those things that I think they've done a great job of, of managing all these players. Without asking them to be something that they're not.
0: And and that makes a big difference at the end of the day. Yeah, Marchand played 20 minutes last night. Riley Nash, 16 and some change. So you're right. I mean, he's, he's obviously it's a lot of that is special teams in yesterday's game. But So you would you consider, though, like if, if they're at a series and they're having trouble screw, they're not getting production from the Bacchus-Wingles-Gianta line, which right now, you're right, Gianta's way above what anybody expected. It's so weird. It is. <laughs> but... Um, would you consider fl- flipping that line a bit Have, you know, just for a couple of shifts? I'm not saying you're going to start a series that way uh, and break up the best line in hockey, but I think that's the point of some of their trades was to spread the wealth, and they've got that going right now with Debrusk and Krejci on the second line. That's what's making this team legitimate. As you even said last week, the different lines that are contributing in different ways, that's the one that would still worry me in a playoff series. Backus, Wingles, and Gianta, is it going to get the job done for you. Yeah, I guess the the flip that I would make there is I would I would move Pastrnak down
2: uh, versus moving a center down because I think that they like to o- operate in pairs and I think if you're talking about moving the line, I don't want to break up Bergeron and Martian. That's like that's like the best pairing in the NHL in my opinion. That's the best one-two punch in the league, so I'm not touching that. Pastrnak, I'm I'm willing to move down because I think he has some chemistry with with the Riley Nash, and then you can put David Backus up there if you really wanted to. Uh, at the same time I think that right now it's about figuring out what you have. I, I I would say that if I were a betting man, those first two lines they 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 go untouched. It's that third line that they're figuring out, same thing for the second pairing. You need to figure out who is gonna be on the right side of Tory Krug. We know Tory Krug is gonna be there, whether people like it or not. It's about finding that second option for them, who is gonna be that guy. If it's Nick Holden, a left shot a left shot playing the right side, or if it's it's Adam McQuaid or Kevin Miller, whoever whoever the case may be, Brandon Carlos another name as well. I just think that this is what you're finding out now. I, I, I don't think you worry about that kind of stuff you're talking about when you get there. But this is sort of what this competition is about for these final four weeks here. It's not about the number one
0: seed. It's about figuring out what your roster looks like come game one. You've had uh, Marchand stepping up huge this week. Three game-winning goals. And then uh, yesterday, he appears to have avoided discipline for this collision um, with uh, Anthony DeClaire. And you're still getting your share of tweets calling it dirty, though. Damian Cox, uh, the media guy from Toronto, threw out a, a line about, uh, you know, He's again, Marchand's going to get away with it again. Here's the quote. Not just another dirty play by Marchand, another dirty play is going to get away with, it, it would seem. And it does seem that way, right? Player safety has not uh,
2: yeah, I, I made their move going in the last 24 hours before the game.
0: I wouldn't think so, uh, unless there's some sort of just massive outrage where they decided to rethink it. Uh, the Blackhawks were a little upset sin, one of their defensemen called it a dirty play after the game. It was a weird reaction, I'll say that. He um he turns, he sees Declare coming right at him, he leaps off his skates and clotheslines the guy. Uh accidental or no? I think both players realized
2: that they were lined up to smack to smack one another and they tried getting out of their way. Listen, Marchand probably could have got he probably didn't have to extend the arm if you will, but He's never going to get the benefit of the doubt, but I I don't watch. I think that. he is in this case. No, but I'm saying like from the public perception, if you will. But I, I I don't look at that and go, oh, that's intentional. I just don't see it. I don't see it that way. I think it's way too fast of a play for that to be the case. These people they watch it in slow motion and they they analyze it top to bottom. They go, oh, this is how it happened, and that's not true. I mean, you you got to look at these things in real time. If you watch that in real time, there's absolutely no way that he's doing that intentionally. In my opinion, I just I think you got to be realistic when you watch these clips.
0: Here's what Marshan had to say afterwards. What happened on the, the play
1: with
0: DeClaire? Um, I was turning up ice, I think he was coming down on the floor checking.
2: We both uh, kind of in the train tracks and uh, kind of didn't know which direction could go. we go. We just kind of tried to avoid each other and um, you know, it was really unfortunate. I think he, he twisted up his, his foot or something, and, um, you know, with that stuff to see.
3: You think you may be hearing from player safety on that?
2: I mean that—that's—that's obviously up to them. But uh, I mean, I don't think so. We—we're trying to avoid each other. So,
3: um, but uh, yeah, I don't think so. Was your first?
0: And uh, it's, he got—he fi- got fined two thousand for uh, embellishment against the Penguins in a game going back, which is even uh, uh, lesser questionable to me. I don't know. I get the stick between his legs and he gets like flipped over, so he gets no benefit of the doubt in some cases. And sort of bizarrely, in this case, he will get the benefit of the doubt. I wouldn't have been that shocked if he got a one-game whack for this just because of the—I know it's real time, as you're saying, it's quick, but he does get off the skates and he goes with a headshot, See, which that's leads to though, an injury.
2: You can't do the one game with him because of the, the way that oh, it's— it, true, based it's on It's one of these history. things where, like, if, if you're going to suspend him, this next suspension, you're going to throw the book at him. So it's got to be something more egregious than this. And that's, that's the big takeaway that I have from this. I look at it and I say, okay, well, yeah, is it borderline? Sure, but it's not enough to, to say, hey— Martian. By the way, you're out for ten games now. You know what I mean. That's sort yeah. of what you need to do now if you're talking about suspending Martian. I think so. One of those things where I, I just I can't find the intent. I can find the the problem that the Chicago fans and the the media have with the bopping him in the face, if you will, on the way by. At the same time, that's not what the injury was. He he appeared to bother bug his knee or his foot or something like that. So it, it's it's odd to sort of yeah, sort but it was of, caused by the headshot. I mean, of the- course, yeah, but I, I think that. If it were a headshot, if, if he's walking with a concussion, we're, t-
0: we're probably talking about a different story, I think. Well, that's what happened in the Bacchus case, right? If they're trying to get all headshots out of the game, Bacchus was suspended three games for turns to the last minute, whatever, the shoulder pad clips Glass the guy. In, job. Yeah. Wilson. Right in the chin. So, I mean, I can understand if the NHL just says, hey, look, there's lawsuits going on in the NFL. We're not going to be a part of this. We're taking all headshots seriously, and we're getting them out of the game, and whether it was intent or not, forget about it. If it happens, and you're at fault for it, we're going to whack you for it, and then in this case, they're going to let Marchand go. So it is, it's is—it's still a murky water. I mean, I, I don't know what uh, consistency is in a lot of these cases. You had another goalie interference drama last night in the Pittsburgh-Toronto game. So they've got the league is trouble on their
2: hands. They're now telling players to stop criticizing the, the <laughs> department so much. They're, they're asking them to stop criticizing the player safety. They want them to stop criticizing uh, these reviews in Toronto as well, which the players are going to say, yeah, no, we're, we're all set. We're going to keep saying what we want to say.
0: Anyway, the Bruins are rolling. They won six in a row. Give us your thoughts. It's uh, Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Ken Laird and Ty Anderson at 617, 779, 7937. Be with you up until 9 o'clock today. What's impressed you the most over the six game homestand? The power play's got to be in that mix. The special teams was remarkable yesterday, four for six, and uh, both goals on the double minor to Kane. A shorthanded goal early in the game. The power play, I guess, has been benefiting now just from the additions The you know, DeBrusk and Krejci have. Made a good second unit. Uh, Rick Nash has floated, I guess, a little bit between the two units, but Giotta in front as well, um, and they've they've got themselves two good units now, and it's it's showing. Yeah, and I think I think the big thing that I
2: walk away from with these power play units is that the second unit really has a totally different look now. When you have Holden and Gianta there versus Backus and whether it's Chara or McAvoy, you know, and not to say I don't want McAvoy there, I obviously do, but I think that when you look at it. Like Nick Holden has a big reach, man. He has a big body. He can jump up. You saw yesterday, he kept two plays alive with his size. I, you know, and that's really what wore the Blackhawks down, which led to that Gianta goal, the game winning goal, as it turned out. So I, I think that that's a that's a big thing for that unit. And then I think Brian Gianta, he's one of these guys, he reminds me of Mark Recky where He's not 6 foot 1, but he's great in front of that net. You know, he's 5 foot 7. He gets down low. He's hard for guys to move his stick out of the way. He works he works tirelessly. After every practice morning skate on, on deflecting pucks, tipping home pucks, he is that this is sort of his bread and butter if you will. So I think that's been great and it's allowed to brusque and crazy to, to sort of roam if you will. They they you know, DeBrusque I think, is great along the walls. You saw him force a turnover yesterday against Seabrook. That leads to the first goal for the Bruins. Got Seabrook bad lately. What happened to that him? That whole team is bad. That whole team is terrible. He especially. He's getting paid like $8 million. Yeah. Yeah, they should have moved him when they had the chance. Now they're stuck with him forever. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, no, but it's one of those things where I think that, you know, that allows this team to sort of, again, it comes back to what we've talked about, where you can't game plan for this team because they can attack you in so many ways. I, I think DeBrusque is uh, he's a player that reminds me. I'm not saying he's Rick Nash. But he reminds me of Rick Nash in the sense that he's dangerous from all over the ice. You know, you can put him anywhere, and he's going to play the exact same game. But he can also change styles as well. So you know what you're getting out of him. I think I think that's, that's a huge key for that power play. And it's one of those things where you look at that effort yesterday, that double minor. Perfect. That was the absolute perfect four-minute power play. You work those guys down for two minutes. You score a goal just before the two minutes hit, so you still have a power play. And then you put it. You, you put your first unit out there, and they dominate as well. So one of those things where they're, they're finding a way to sort of... Maximize th- these talents, these efforts, and they're putting players in the right situations. And I just think that when you have two power play units and you're a
0: good five on five team, you know, teams are looking over their shoulder the entire game. Well, and yet it should pay off five on five if teams are afraid to take, you know, a penalty against them. Debrusk had three assists on the power play yesterday. Last eight games, he's got nine points. So again, um, the hesitation to trade him for Ryan McDonough proves to be an, uh, you know, He's, a, a must. You'd be killing yourself right now if you get rid of this guy. I'm telling you, he's going to score some big goals in the playoffs too. He looks like yeah, and and um, uh, Cassidy talked about the the chemistry that he and Krejci have, and you can just see it. I mean, I guess Rick Nash has sparked that some, but uh, you know, you could even see that towards the end before they traded Spooner, those guys were starting to get something going, and now with Nash there, it opens some things up for them even more. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. When Krejci trusts his
2: line mates, he's a different player. I think that when he's second guessing who he's passing the puck to. I think that's when you get these sort of lackluster games where he's you know, 0-0, two shots on goal, and he's 9 attempt, you know, 9 wins, 10 losses on face-offs. I think you're seeing engaged David Krejci right now, and it comes back to being able to trust your linemates, trust you're going to get the job done. You know, and that and that allows him to be both a, you know, a passer and a shooter, which I think that's when is at his best. You look at the Horton-Lucic years, he wasn't just always dishing it. He was shooting at some, and I think that you're seeing that from David Krejci this year as well. You look at yesterday, obviously those are... The kind of passes that you dream of, he said that himself after the game. Where those those feeds from DeBrusker are, are top notch, but he's not afraid to shoot it either. You know, and that's a big thing that's helping this team right now because when they hesitate, when they get away from
0: playing their up tempo style, where it's shots, 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 I think they fall. I think they fall into some trouble there. Spooner, by the way, with twelve points in seven games for the Rangers, kind of bizarre. A lot, a lot of assists, not not that many goals, but still, he's playing well and he took a shot at uh, the Bruins, I guess, a little bit, about... Did he? I missed this. About the contract and getting uh, run through, uh, you know, going through that process. He called it like an awful process or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but did say he was shocked to be traded. But Well, well they would say it was an awful process <laughs> having him here for the last two years. So I yeah, guess a little. they're even... You know, the only thing negative about this team right now beyond the injuries is is the criticism of Rask. It's not strong, but there's still like some nitpickers out there. Do you find that yourself? Um, no, Mostly social never. media. Mostly social media. <laughs> I'm going to say it's like a big... Uh, outcry. Yeah. That's all my twitter is. It's just people yelling at me about Ugarask. That's all that is. That's he, all social media is. His numbers are unbelievable. Like they threw up a, a graphic his last 17 games he's 14 and 3 with a 2.43 goals against average and he's still I'm not saying there he hasn't had a bad game or two over the last couple of weeks but it, it is now reached the uh where it's just out of proportion with how he's playing and and the team's winning every night. So I don't I don't know. It, it's a strange thing to watch. Yeah, he's had a rough. He's had a rougher two weeks. But if you're winning games right now, I, I don't care about the
2: the numbers. I really don't because I think that you're going to find time to get him rested, recharged. If he is playing through something, that's going to obviously play a factor. But you know, he's had some slow starts, some bad nights. But I think that he's made some saves when you, when you needed them. I, I really do feel that way. I think yesterday, like yesterday, he gave up four. Would you put any of those on him? I would put the Hayden one. The, I think it was the third or fourth one. uh... He just kind of streaks in, beats him low. I mean, Riley Nash turned that over. and and yeah, came in. Yeah, sort of on the rush. And I would say that my big concern yesterday, if I'm in the Bruins, is not with Tuukka Rask. It's with how easy it was for Blackhawks to get to the front of the net or to get between the circles. You look at a ton of their shots came from between the circles, and if you're allowing these screens to happen, you can't you can't let both happen. You know what I mean? You got to you got to eliminate one. Yeah. I, I think they were they were they weren't doing either. So it's one of those situations where. I I can't look at that game and say that's all on Tuca. I think there's one or two goals he may want to have back, but it, it doesn't change him at the end of the day. What they did, and what they were able to do. I think that he had a, he had a great save late. Uh, there was a partial breakaway coming down on his left side. Uh, I forget who shot it, but he he had a, he had a glove save there, kept this game uh, in the Bruins' favor, kept the Blackhawks from sort of charging back, if you will. I think that's the big thing. I, I want to see him make these saves late in games, and I've seen that. I've seen some some sluggish nights, some slow starts. But
0: I've seen him make the saves in the second, third period when you absolutely need him to. I guess he got crushed for the the Pittsburgh game a little more than this one. They gave up four in that one, even in a blowout win. And then, you know, Hudoba played two in a row, so it was like, ah, uh, you know, maybe they're. But it was there was some kind of an injury there, right? That was not performance based.
2: Yeah, no, he's dealing with a very minor injury, and and I don't know if he's still one hundred percent, but he's well enough to play right now, which you should make everyone shut up for a minute but they're not gonna they're going to bring up 2016 getting sick for a game they're going to bring up Finland in 2014 for some weird reason like he's never going to get a fair shake in this town and i and i honestly believe that it's one of these situations where he is always going to be remembered for 2013 when they two goals in 17 seconds he'll be remembered for 2010 when he was 23 years old as if that actually matters today you know they're going to bring up everything they can to, to discredit anything this goaltender accomplishes. They want to be Tim Thomas in 2011. No one understands how rare that is for for a goaltender to go wire to wire, posting a 940 save percentage and being virtually unbeatable. People, Everyone forgets, by the way, Tim Thomas almost cost the Bruins that Tampa Bay series. He was awful in that series. He was bad in the Montreal series, too. But everyone thinks, oh, Tim Thomas, you got to be Tim Thomas. Rask has been just fine, okay? So can we relax? Can we wait until the
0: playoffs where we start saying this goalie is the reason why this team is going to fall apart? He's got a little of the David Price thing going on. He's got to prove it in the postseason. That 2016 thing was weird, though. I will... It got you Charlie McAvoy. I, I, I do not you look at it that way, okay? Because that team— cost you a playoff berth. He didn't show up on the last day of the regular season.
2: That team wasn't going anywhere, though. They they would have got their asses kicked in four or five games at the very most. They would have called the series in three games. That team was so bad. You
0: had Lee Stepniak on your top line. You had John Michael Lyles in your top pairing. Yeah, but it still speaks to the—you know, it, it's still a RAS criticism. Forget about everything else. The fact that he shouldn't be worried about that, drafting Charlie McAvoy. No, no, you know, I know. He didn't. He couldn't make it through to play the you know the game with the playoffs on the line. So I can see how people. I'm all about silver cons- linings, man. Oh, <laughs> you're about defending Tuka. which I wish I could bury the guy, but he hasn't been. I I don't understand the criticism. I wish I could argue with you the it, point. But if it's you not, want Hudoven as a full time starter, you're out of your mind. I don't think people really do. They just that's wanna, the thing. They, as you say, they just they're comparing him to uh, some sort of a. Tim Thomas image. Once-in-a-lifetime performance by a goalkeeper. I'll agree with that. All seven right, ninety three seven. 617-779-7937. We'll get to some calls coming up. Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Had an interesting week in terms of critiques of hockey talk on sports radio. We'll get to that a little bit. That came up on the Zero Pucks Given podcast. You sparked uh, – well, really, Dale sparked it. You yeah, that was all Dale. Though. That was all Dale. He was ready to, to fire off. Tenure can do that for um, you. And, you know, your boss, Rob Bradford, talked about sensitive fans. The Bruins were pretty low on the list – where he was ranking the local sports teams. But we've seen, I think, after the Dale rant, and now 6-0 and and the Bruins continuing to surge and some discussion about how much discussion they're getting, a little bit of the sensitivity of some of the Bruins fans. When it's becoming uh, obvious that this team is more legitimate, right, and that they have a real chance to make a deep run here in the postseason, now I think Bruins fans are starting to say, let's, let's go. Let's get a little talk going on some of the mainstream, or let's get a little more respect, right? Can you blame them? I mean, I, I can't blame him. Uh, yes and no. We'll discuss that coming up. Ty Anderson's along. He's from WEI.com. On the Bruins beat, I'm Ken Laird. at Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. I think you'd have a grand total of about two people who can and want to talk about hockey. And I'm listening to our radio station on the weekend, and I'm listening to Chris Filani and Rob Bradford. and And Rob Bradford whining about the fact that people want to talk about the Bruins and bitching and moaning because he wants to talk about the Celtics and the Red Sox and apparently nothing else. God almighty, I get frustrated sometimes in this town. Now, there are people who don't like hockey. Got no issues with that. I'm not trying to sell them on the sport. I'm not trying to convince people to watch the sport or, or watch it on Nessen or listen on radio or, or talk about it on, on sports talk radio. But could sports talk show hosts give half a damn about the possibility that there are people who want to? That there are there is a rabid fan base in the city of Boston that's interested in the hockey team? That is a fired-up Dale Arnold on the Zero Pucks Given podcast, presented by Star Market and Wise Snacks. You can hear it every week. Well, most weeks. You guys took last week off, but kudos what is to this? you. What? guys. You're
2: going to keep doing this for the rest of the podcast? Is not it wake
0: you up this morning? Yeah, I know. Uh, which, by the way, two things that'll wake you up. Living on a prayer in the background and uh, Tuka Rask talk, which which got you defending uh, your boy. Yeah. Well, it's not
2: my boy. You know, you know he doesn't like me? Oh, really? No, it's one of these things. We've Every time that he Tuka Rask on- and I have, have talked we have honestly, like, had a borderline argumentative exchange. Like, it's one of those things where, like, we don't know how to talk to one another. So, all these people are always like, oh, you're carrying grass water, oh, you're, you're just friends with them. No. It, it's literally the complete opposite. Like, we do not see eye to eye on many things. But, I recognize good goaltending when I see it, and they have it, and these fans in Boston are so spoiled with goaltending that they'll never appreciate what they have.
0: You will admit he was a, a little shaky in a couple of his recent performances. Oh, absolutely. Not, not outstanding. Absolutely. But as we were talking during the break, what, what's there is no real... The only call of complaint, of change with thrask would be the Martin Jones trade, which they had the guy for, what, like a day and for a they weekend, flipped him? A long weekend. And I guess they could have kept Martin Jones, who went on to be a pretty good goaltender was San Jose here. They got a first-round pick, which turned into Trent Frederick, and they got Sean Corrales. So in hindsight okay, if you had a, an excellent number, but I don't know how financially you could have afforded both of those guys. No, you couldn't have. And I think at the same time, you're not going to gamble on Martin Jones at that point.
2: He had, he had, I think 40 games in his career. He had a little run with the LA Kings, but nothing to make you go, you know what? We're going to trade this Vezina, uh, this guy removed two years moved from a Vezina, three years moved from Stanley Cup. We're going to trade him and take a shot on this guy that we've we've never seen before in our conference. By the way, he's a Western Conference guy. So who knows? We'll hope for the best. You know, it's similar to Cam Talbot with the Oilers. He was great last year. This year he stinks. I I, I would rather have to Rask than Martin Jones. You look at their numbers over the past you know three seasons basically. With with Jones has been in San Jose and Brass has been in Boston. They have identical numbers. The, the biggest difference for me, though, is that Jones has played on a much better team
0: over that three-year span than, than Tuka Rask has, so I'll take Tuka. And Rask had a no-trade clause, so you couldn't have moved him. Unless he, I guess you would have. I guess you could have. That would have been bizarre, though, for Sweeney, who was just hired to come to Rask and say, we want to trade you for that, Martin that Jones. That would have that been would, blowing <laughs> it up. That, that really would have been blowing it up.
2: Yeah, you talk about trading Lucic and trading Hamilton. Those are retools. You trade Tuka Rask,
0: that's a blow-up. You're doing it all over again. Anyway, living on a prayer. Has become the new Sweet Caroline, right? It's a really is that official? Weird thing. Is it official for the stretch? Yeah, I yeah. It's I mean, bizarre. this is not going to stop now. This well, started the Carolina game.
2: They started the Carolina game, and people kind of they latched onto it. They're not third letting period sing along. Yeah, I I I don't like it, but as people have pointed out to me, every time it happens, they score a goal like right <laughs> after. So I'm like, ah, I guess I'll accept it. I really don't like it, but I'll but
0: I'll let it happen. All right, well, back to Dale. Dale was hot. About the lack of, I guess Bradford got him going. I didn't hear that part of Bradford Velani last week. Was Bradford dumping on the Bruins or what? No, but I think he we, must have taken a shot or something. I mean, you know, you get Rob talking Bruins, it's like me
2: talking stretch fours and nickel defenses. It's not, it's not going to be a good look. So I think that's probably what it was. And Velani love him, but he he he'll tell you right up straight up that he's not a hockey guy either. So. I don't know. I mean, listen, this team could use some more coverage. I'll tell you that much. It's
0: Well, here's where the fans have a right and don't have a right to bitch about it. I would agree they're they're a legitimate team right now, and if you're a fan, you want you want to find some more respect, you want to hear some more Bruins talk. But the ratings on Nessen have not shown that. Bradford said himself of all the content on the website, the Bruins stuff gets read the least. So is yeah, the fan thanks. interest Thank you everybody. I don't know Is the fan <laughs> interest dictating that there should be more talk. That would be the the simple response from a lot of these shows. I mean, if, if, there's, if it's like 2011 in the cup run and it's, they're, you know, they're going for their first title since the 70s and there is a rabid, like, almost uh, a mini Red Sox of 4 craving for, for content, then obviously you're going to provide that as a, as, a, as a talk show host. I haven't felt that yet. I even think right now, even though the Bruins are rolling, there's still a little bit of, all right, runs out, McAvoy's out, let's wait and see how they look in a month, and then I'll really buy in. My biggest problem with what Rob says is he goes, oh, they're not exciting, I don't have an exciting player. Have you seen Brad Marchand?
2: I mean, he's one of the best players in the NHL. I, I will watch this Bruins team over a Celtics team, uh, this regular season Celtics team, any day of the week. I think I think these people, they, they get so caught up in the sort of the win-loss record and and all of well, those basketball, it's Kyrie Irving. The Celtics are a bore. The, most nights when I watch the Celtics, oh, that I'm, Bulls game was dreadful. I'm bored out of my mind watching the Celtics half the time. It's going to get exciting in the playoffs, don't get me wrong. But it's one of these situations where, hey, listen, you got to pick what, what, what you like. But if you sit here and you're telling me still on March 11, 2018, that the Bruins aren't exciting and that Brad Marchand is not a superstar, they don't have any players you want to watch play, you're out of your mind. This team has so many players you want to watch play. I think from, from McAvoy when he's in, Marchand, Pasternak, DeBrusque even, Rick Nash, they have some star power. For for these people who check out and they don't really follow the Bruins as intently as they follow some of these other teams, they have star power. So you should be interested. You should want to watch this team. So, you know, and, and when it comes back to the coverage, yeah, you can say that. We can say it's at least red. People don't want to talk about it. But I would make the case, and this may be an unpopular opinion, you know, my checks come from here, I understand that, I totally understand that, but I don't think that people look at us as a hockey station or as a place to come for hockey talk,
0: and if we can change that narrative... Well, what about the Nesson ratings? Why are they Why are they still lower than the Celtics? Why are they still down from 2011? Well, I it's think, just a delayed I think buy-in for people? I think you're talking about delayed buy-in,
2: and I also think you're talking about one network that prioritizes their coverage over one network who just accepts it. I think that Nesson, they have so many other things going on, especially with the Boston Red Sox, and with Charlie Moore, and everything else that they do, that... They just have the Bruins, and they don't invest in what. If you watch, if you they see, have a
0: lot of Bruins content, though,
2: but I if mean. yeah, yeah, they have the the extra post game uh, on Saturdays. I think it is, but but if you if you compare it to what NBC Sports Boston has done with their service coverage, that is crazy. You get ads on ads on ads. You get shows. They're all over Twitter. They're on Facebook, Instagram. They are everywhere all the time in terms of the Celtics. It's one of those things where, where they have, they and they've they've been smart about that. They've realized that they have a legitimately great team with Kyrie Irving, and if Gordon Hayward was here, we'd be talking about an even better team. They understand that. I think they've done a great job of pumping up that coverage. And with the Bruins, I think it would help if, if Nesson could pump it up a little bit more, but I don't know if they have the resources or if necessarily want to do that. So that's something that comes, I I, go, I come back to that point because I think it's a major difference between these two channels. And, you know, you gotta remember too, I think that people just throw on
0: basketball and, and can just watch it versus simply hockey, if you will. Where you you, you have to sort there are a lot of players that are hard to you know, names hard to pronounce, uh it's tough to be familiar with every team in the league. I think there is some recognizability of of just a casual fan. If you're not watching every night, yeah. I think there is some there's a difficulty to just jump right in and to be up to speed real quick. Yeah,
2: and I don't want to, I'm NHL. not trying to crush Nesson's coverage. I think they I think they do a fine job. It's just it's I think that one network
0: does clearly does more with what they have than the other. 617 779 Ken Laird and Ty Anderson. Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. What do you think of the state of Bruins hockey coverage in town right now? And also, just in terms of the team, what's impressed you the most here during the stretch without Bergeron and Mar- uh, Bergeron and McEvoy. Bergeron. 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 That would be a nice melding of the 2 Let's go to Chris in Plainville. He's been hanging on. Hi, Chris.
1: Hey, guys. Um, just a quick take on Tuca. Um, he has benefited from Claude's system. Claude's system is still... To the state um, in this team, in the sense of uh, forwards' defensive responsibility, two hundred feet of ice. I know that's all cliche, but it's absolutely the truth. Um, and Tuca has completely. I think that year he won the Vesna. They were the, the best team by far defensively, uh, especially from an offensively defensively. No time, no space, no gaps, and they've lacked that now since we've had Bergeron's injury. A little bit behind that. Um, Rick Nash uh, lives in between the dots. Strong, big guy, done well that way. He's a little slow getting back. There's been, from a center standpoint, the guy's not back there as quick. Defensive had a hard time turning it up quick and getting back out. Um, I think Nash is an excellent heavy guy, um, <clears throat> but I think he's just a little slow. He gets back, but he's slow at doing it. So that's my take, guys. Tuca. We'll change the narrative when the narrative changes on Tuca. That's just my opinion.
0: All right, thanks, Chris. You buy into that closed system in masked performance? Yes and no, because they they actually allow they've allowed fewer shots
2: uh, this year under Cassidy. I think they've they've limited high danger scoring chances as well. One of those things that when they do have these bad games, though, they have a really bad game. Like they'll 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 allow twenty something
0: chances really. Oh, they, the first period was awful last uh, yesterday. There, you're right. They have been sloppy. I mean. The callers right there. There have been some pretty bad breakdowns, which could have led to worse results.
2: That's the thing. That's why I look at Tuca and I say what he's done under Cassie is a little bit more impressive to me because of the looseness, if you will, sometimes of the style. Like when they had bad nights, like I said, they had bad nights. That game against the Flyers – Ooh, that was one ugly game for them, in my opinion. So and I thought Tuga was great in that game. So if we're going to call him out for Saturday, we got to recognize Thursday as well. That's all I want is consistency, which is ironically what they want as well. So here we are.
0: All right, now Tori crew got a pretty good week. You had to defend him last week to Maria in Watertown. You want to go around too? I think she's ready yeah, to I jump on it again. Man. All right, Marie in Watertown next year on <laughs> Sunday skate. What's up, Marie? Good
3: morning, good morning, guys. How how can I argue with Ty? He's just too nice. But, <laughs> thank but, you. But please are, be mean well, to me. <laughs> <'Cause> I know <laughs> you don't deserve it, and you do deserve more airtime on EEI. But just just quickly on, on Tori Krug, I, I I I heard what you said recently about his importance to the team um, offensively, particularly while Charlie McAvoy is out. And I agree with you. However, however, and this is just my humble opinion, I don't think he is good defensively as defenseman he he has weaknesses in his game in our own end I think the teams have been targeting his side of the ice consistently um, and and I have concerns about that particularly with with McAvoy being out and I I know you have a different opinion that's just my opinion and a quick um, two other quick points that I'd like to make with regard to the David Backus hit and the direction that the league is going in, if, if we're going to start targeting guys like David Backus for that kind of a hit, then you need to change the name of the NHL to the no-hit league because I think that's a very, very dangerous direction to, to go in. If we're just going to say that even though it wasn't intentional contact and he tried to avoid it but he still hit him in the head, we're going to suspend guys, that's, that's ludicrous to me. And, and the coverage on your station, guys, um, I, I think you, you don't give um, enough kudos to the Boston Bruins. And I think Nessen treats the Boston Bruins as um, kind of the redheaded stepchild on their network, where everything is shoved down your throat with regard to the Red Sox, but not enough on the Bruins. And I think this is an exciting team, it's one of the best teams. In the NHL right now, and, you know, your predecessors across the street um, do provide them with a lot of time and content, and I just think EEI could do a little bit better job with regard to the Boston Bruins.
0: Well, in terms of Nesson, I'm sure they would argue about the ratings as well, right? We get X number for the Red Sox. This, This is what the numbers say and the Bruins draw this, so we're going to put resources into this and maybe less so into the Bruins. I, I don't know. I don't know their numbers behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I don't, but, I don't I don't have an idea on their numbers.
2: I would say that I think that uh, if, if you're still going 90% on baseball, MLB, and 10% on hockey, I think you're making a mistake yeah. because given the way that game is trending and what the eyes that you're trying to attract, I think one of the things that Nessun needs to do is you know they they they've done a job. I think they've done a good job at this. They're actually involved with YouTube now. So if you don't have cable, you can still watch these Bruins games, yeah. which has been which has been a good thing for, them, in my opinion. So a lot of these cord cutting millennials like myself here. Actually, no, we have cable at the house, so never mind. But it's one of those things where I, I think that people look at that and does that play a factor? Sure. But buy in on this team, man. And, and I would say, this, and Maria, we're welcome. We're welcome to disagree anytime. I love disagreements. It's it's, it's what gets me going in the morning. Besides two grass
0: takes. Uh, Did Krug have a bad defensive moment this week? I'm, I'm thinking back to the games. There was not like a... Well, he hasn't... I mean, I think it's been a rough it's couple obvious of weeks. You get him in front of the net. He's not going to be...
2: Yeah, I think it's been a, a rough force. couple of weeks for him. I I, I will say that... Listen though, if I'm talking about players that disappointed me in the defensive zone this year, it's not Crew as much as Brandon Carlo. I, I think there's been such a step back from Brandon Carlo. Well, his it's, minutes were
0: down last night. You could see.
2: Oh, it's you can't trust him. I think if you had a healthy defense in Game One, where tomorrow he's your healthy scratch, you can't play him. I think it's a real thing that this team is needs to battle through. They need to find a way. You know, maybe maybe if Krug has a stable partner for two weeks, we see some better defensive play out of him. But he's always going to be this guy. He's always going to be the player that that struggles in his own in his own de- zone defensively. I think he's gotten a little bit better, but still, he'll never be the two way sort of monster that McAvoy is. He's always going to have these warts, and I, I think you got to sort of you got to live with it and see what you can do, see where you can manage it. I think that when you put Kevin Miller there next to him, I think that's a better pairing. I would love to see that in, in, the, in the playoffs. To be honest with you, I think that's their best shot at a one at a second pairing. So we'll see there. I, I think that Miller's been great. So, I don't know. You just got to manage it. You got to kind of hope for the best. It's one of those things where his production is, is borderline unmatched. You know, he's one of the top ten scoring D in the league. You
0: got to respect that, I guess. Sunday Skate is presented by Star Market. Final segment with Laird and Anderson coming up next.
4: You're listening to
0: Sunday Skate with Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show at WEEI.com. Bruins writer Ty Anderson. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market on Sports Radio WEEI. Last couple weeks, we were talking about uh, Bergeron in terms of uh, heart trophy attention and whether he'd ever get any at any point in his career. Uh, but the last week has elevated the Brad Marchand talk in terms of elite <laughs> wingers in the league. We were just talking about. Uh, One of the guys from Dirty Water Media had a last 100 games played comparison between Marchand, Stamkos, Crosby, Ovechkin, and McDavid. And according to his numbers, Marchand beats them all in points in his last 100 games played. You were kind of doing some quick math. It seems to check out uh, to you. Yeah, it checks out for the most part. Uh,
2: Because I can't find the last 100 games for all of the other players. I can find when Marsh over Over the span that started Marshan's 100 games, uh, which if you do that, he ranks fourth in the NHL. the thing is, though, he's played about 16, 15, 15 to 20 fewer games than all the other players around him, with the exception of Evgeny Malkin. So, and he's beat him in production as well. So, he has been legit. And, and when we did our midseason, the PHWA, we had to do our midseason award ballots. First time we've done this in, I think, 40 years, they said. I had Martian, actually. I gave him a heart vote. I gave him like a fifth place vote. I didn't have Bergeron on my list. I had, I had Martian on my list, though, because I think that he's. We've seen this this past week. He scores big goals for them. He leads them. He is their their emotional sort of spark plug, if you will. So Five goals, I had him on my ballot. in
0: five games. He's got 11 points in his last five games. He's been unreal without oh, Bergeron. It's, it's unbelievable. And it's destroying the narrative that, that he needs, that you know that Bergeron carries yeah. him. It completely destroys that narrative. All right. Freddie in New Hampshire has been in the rocking chair for about 40 minutes. He's hanging in there. Freddie. Morning, guys. Morning.
4: I'll hang in there forever to talk hockey. Hey, uh, last week I didn't get... It'll get to this point, but uh, can we have a laugh on the Montreal series this year? <laughs> was that a beautiful <laughs> thing? Four games to none. And they
0: swept hey. the wings too, Freddie. That was big.
4: Yes, beautiful. Hey And, um, you know, it was great to get to the six points this week, but Detroit and Chicago, sloppy, sloppy games. And the only thing that really pulled it out was last... Yesterday, in the third period, when they shut them down, it was, it, was, it was great to see because that's what they're going to need when it comes to the playoffs. And uh, can you tell me why? I read the papers. I hear people on the radio, oh, we're going to be playing Toronto. They, they give them no shot at getting first place. Not, not first place is everything. But this team is six games out, three games in hand on Tampa. they got three games with Tampa. We're going to make our own whatever we, what happens. And nobody gives them a shot for first place. They control what their fate, watching? Fred. What?
0: Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, thank you. Uh, Freddie wants him, you get to give him a chance to catch Tampa. I don't see it, but... No, I don't see it happening. 16 you,
1: games
2: I in 29 it. days, is, it's, it's a grind. It's a, a, lot it's of a hard grind for them. Yeah, it's one of these things, too. They're going to be resting guys, I'm telling you. It'd be nice, but they're going to be resting guys. They, they, they're not going to take this chance of, of last year happening again where they all get injured in the final week of the season. Think about last year. They lost Brandon Carlo, Troy Krug in the final week of the season. They're going to avoid that at all costs. They don't want to go 10 deep. You don't want to see Tommy Cross and Jordan swores in playoff games. You just don't want to see it. So I think they'll take the the extra steps to make
0: sure that doesn't happen. Freddie's always right, though. He's, he sees behind the numbers. They were sloppy in two of their last three games. Absolutely. The Detroit game was sloppy, and yesterday for big chunks was. But Listen, again, it goes back to the third period.
2: I'll take these games. I'll take what you do now in winning, finding ways to win over what we saw two years ago when they were fighting for a playoff spot, and they were playing great, and they weren't scoring, and they were losing. I'll take win sloppy now.
0: Focus on what you can change, what you can fix. Go from there. All right. If you guys record another podcast this week, you and Dale. Oh my god! Can I'm, you get him going a little bit? Can I hit you with a shoe? Can, you, can <laughs> you please? Can you get a little emotion out of Dale for once? Yeah. Which well, yeah. he wouldn't bring, He keep, wouldn't. He should have just stuck with that point on the air. It was a three. Ter- I'll keep providing you guys material. That's what I'll do. Can you play the audio of him on the Dale and Keith show and say, Dale, you're willing to take a stand here on the podcast? Why wouldn't you defend your point the next day on the Dale and Keith afternoon show? Because he, I mean. He's got a leg to stand on there. He can make that argument. He does. I he, mean, he backed away though. Was, I'm not going to tell, but I can't tell. Just like I can't tell you guys how
2: to do yeah. your morning show. I can't tell Dale how to run us two to six. A lot more experience than me. Just so everyone knows, it's one of those things. where I listen. I I was shocked by that rant. I loved it. I agree with every second of it. Uh, but listen, I I think that Dale has his opinions. He's a fiery guy. He's a passionate guy about hockey. This will get him going, and. Hey, you know what? We're talking about it. Great week on the podcast, by the way, numbers-wise. Loved it. I'll take it every week. Make sure you listen again. I'll get them going again.
0: All right, that's coming up later in the week. We'll be back next Sunday after the Tampa game. Ken Laird and Ty Anderson, Sunday Skate presented by Star Market. Up next, Andy Hart and uh, Chris Vellani. A lot of Patriots news and NFL free agency news as well. Free agency starting on Wednesday officially, so I'm sure those guys will be all over that. The big Danny Shelton train and more. Stick around for those guys. volani and Hart coming up next. Please, Bruins fans, don't climb all over.